athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You've got it tuned in to the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. It is Super Bowl weekend, and I, I got to tell you, you know, there was a time when Box to Row would do a live broadcast from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, we did it 2007, 2008, 2009, and of course, due to COVID, nobody's really doing live, but it's not as massive. Media, like Media Day, everything was really virtual, right, as opposed to the circus that is Media Day more specifically at the Super Bowl. And we had a great time. Matter of fact, 2007 was in Miami. It was a historic Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, the Colts and the Bears, the first time two black head coaches met on the gridiron as it related to the Super Bowl. And so got a lot. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever had a chance to talk with Leslie Frazier, he was an assistant. He was the assistant head coach to Tony Dungy. So I had a chance to talk with him. He ultimately went on to be the head coach of the Vikings and Alcorn State graduate. As a matter of fact, covered extensively that week. Robert Mathis, uh, Antoine Bethay, and Nick Harper, all HBCU guys that, uh, that were playing for the Colts. And then there was a... Oh, the gentleman, his young man's name escapes me. He was actually playing for the Bears, and he was an Arkansas Pine Bluff grad. And I, I had a, didn't, I think I had a chance to maybe talk with him at one of the media veils uh, in person. That was 07, 08. I didn't go. I had another person go. It was actually the birth of my uh, daughter, so I had to be here, but had another uh, gentleman go out and do the live broadcast from Radio Row. Then 2009, as a matter of fact, you talk about Tampa. Big shots out to our affiliate in Tampa, WURK, FM 96.3. He's been carrying the show for about, you know, what, six or seven years now. Um, but we were in Tampa, uh, not only on Radio Row. We had a great time. Matter of fact, Dominic had a chance to talk with gymnast Dominique Dawes. And as we were talking with her, Michael Irvin came in and for an impromptu, so it was like really cool. Of course, Jared Bell of USA Today, Bill Roden. I mean, I got the chance to talk with a lot of people, but not only that, got to cover the game itself, the Steelers and the Cardinals, and I'll never forget it. It was a great football game. It was way up in the nosebleed seats, but it was phenomenal. And then, of course, had access to the locker rooms and such after the game. Well, after that, for whatever reason, the National Football League started acting kind of funny, denying our credential requests uh, at first saying that you couldn't apply for a credential as a company. You had to apply 
under a radio station, which made no sense because the previous the, the previous three years we applied under the company DW Communications. You always hear me say um, when the show ends, the show is presented by DW Communications. Well, we applied, you know, that way. And we'd always done it that way. And then after talking with the league and getting trying to get some people to help, they you know, backtracked a little bit and said, well, you, you know, you, 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 you were supposed to be covering the Panthers. Of course, we're here in North Carolina. And since you didn't go and pick up the, it was just really a mess to the point I was really, I mean, it bothered me for so many years that we didn't even really do anything with the Super Bowl for years here on Box to Roll, because at, at the end of the day, why should we carry the National Football League's water? I mean, they have everybody else that they want to invite. And by the way, uh, you know, when some of those networks uh, uh, go and do radio, really wouldn't even let us come to media day uh, on Tuesday. And you remember the year that th- there was a celebration with respect to HBCU players that played in the National Football League, uh, mostly the Hall of Famers, but then some other players as well. We weren't even credentialed to that. Uh, again, to the point, didn't even cover it. Let, let others do it. And by the way, they're, are many other companies, uh, I'm not going to call their names, but you know the companies, they they don't apply under a station. They apply under their company, and maybe they have multiple stations. Of course, like we do, we have multiple radio stations across the country that carry box stores. Matter of fact, we got to introduce a new station today, an important market that we've been trying to get into for quite some time. So for, for many years, didn't do it. But listen, it is what it is. We do what we do. We have had, I think, a successful uh, in excess of 15-year run here on Box to Row. We've given you a lot of information, a lot of information as it relates to HBCUs, uh, a lot of information as it relates to just some of the interviews that we've had over the years. And so we're extremely proud of that. And uh, so that's what we choose to focus on. And guess what? Today, I am going to talk some Super Bowl here on the program. I've, I've been past that for a couple of years now. Let the National Football League do what the National Football League does or let the, let the league do, uh, do what it does. Uh, we're going to do what we do here on the program. So uh, with that also, you know, didn't have a chance last week to talk about the legendary John Chaney. John Chaney, of course, the headman's basketball coach at Temple for 24 years. Of those 24 years, in 23 of those years, Temple participated in some kind of postseason. But what's lesser known, he's a Naismith Hall of Famer, basketball Hall of Famer. What is lesser known about John Chaney is two things. A, he coached at Cheney State, HBCU Cheney State, and led the Wolves to the Nas- the NCAA Division II uh, Tournament National Championship in 1978. And the other thing, a graduate of Bethune-Cookman. So I want to remember John Cheney right now as he talked about his days as a student athlete at Bethune Cook. I remember so much about one of the signs on the chapel as we would enter Vespers every Sunday to hear this great woman who was 
one of the great women, black women in this country, worked for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, worked with Ralph Bunch, ambassador to the United Nations, and she was an ambassador as well. I remember so distinctly, as we would enter that chapel, there was a big sign that says, enter to learn the part to serve. That has never, ever left me. It's still with me even today. Enter to learn the part to serve. I think that that is, that is one of the great things about uh, Bethune-Cookman that I will always remember. And the year that uh, I graduated in 55 was the year that uh, they buried uh, Miss Mary McLeod Bethune uh, right there on our campus. If you're ever there, go and visit. She was outstanding, and I'm so happy that I had a chance to meet a great, great legend. And I was extremely honored to be able to talk to a great, great legend and to bring the interview to you. As a matter of fact, you can listen to the interview in its entirety on our website at BoxToRow.com. That's BoxToRow.com, that interview from July of 2013. Listen, a whole lot to get to. On today's program, as I mentioned, going to talk a little Super Bowl here on the program. The matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs should be a good, good, like, should be a really epic game. This should be an epic game. Very much looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to have, like I said, some thoughts on who I ultimately think is going to win this game. So we're going to talk a lot about that a little bit later on in the program and still to come here on from the press box to press row on ESPNU radio on Sirius XM. We're going to be joined by Jackson state hit men's basketball coach, Wayne Brent. Of course, national signing day was February 3rd. It's always, as a lot of, you know, always the first February or the first Wednesday, I should say in February, they now have a mid year signee period. I think this was the second or third year, which generally takes place a three-day deal uh, starting December 16th, something like that. So what we do and have done every year here on from the press box to press row for like the last 14 or 15 years is rank the top 10 HBFCS recruiting classes. So I'm going to do that here on the program up next. And I think what we're going to do, we'll, we'll split this thing up. So instead of doing it all at one time, what we'll do, we'll, in the next segment, we'll go 10 through 6. I'll give you my HBCU football recruiting class rankings, 6 through 10, 10 through 6, however you want to look at it. We're going to go from 10 to 6. Then uh, we should, at that point, be joined by the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, Wayne Brent. Then, after that, I'll give you five through one of my top 10 HBCU football recruiting classes. You've got it locked into from the press box to press row. And you've got us here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. (laughs) 
On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-605-1679. 800-605-1679-800-605-1679. That's 800-605-1679. Paid for by Go Health. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Welcome Donald back Ware, to Donald From Ware, the Press Donald Box Ware. to Press Row. It's time to talk some football recruiting, HBCU style. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can do so via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, on Facebook, B O X, the number two, R O W. I'm going to rank the top 10 recruiting classes and right now so what I'm going to tell you right now I mean it could change on next week when we post this to the box website one of the reasons I hadn't seen Howard's class as of yet I know that Southern was supposed to be adding more players to its class its mid-year class was at uh, at three, and they were supposed to be adding some more players, but as of as of right now, as I'm talking to you, uh, I have not seen those recruiting classes and some of the other ones. So I'm going to go with the information that I have right now. Let me tell you, this is the 14th or maybe the 14th year that we've ranked uh, the recruiting classes here on the program. Only HBCU Division One programs is what we rank. I give a lot more credence to high school players, uh, to JUCO players than I do to uh, FBS transfers. Although a lot of times there's a need and a, there's a big need. And sometimes if you have, you know, like a big time quarterback, like for instance, uh, what a fan was able to do last year in signing the kid uh, from Kansas State, that was a huge need for Florida A&M. But they, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to factor it in anymore because it's still an FBS transfer. But what I will factor is the fact that it's a need, right? But I mean, 
you know, fam just had a, you know, just a, a, a great recruiting class as a whole. Right. So that's sort of how we do things. We, you know, look at recruiting boards, we read articles. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's a lot of work to try to do this. And, um, you can agree or disagree, uh, e- either way, but let's, let's, uh, this is how we're going to rock and roll with this thing. And number 10, I have Southern again, from what I've only, uh, and again, so let me back up. A lot of the classes are smaller this year. A lot of smaller classes. You don't have the big classes like we generally have. Obviously COVID has um, thrown everything off whack because you still have 2020 classes, right? That those guys didn't even get to play in the spring. Some of them made, uh, well, I'm sorry, the fall of 2020. Some of them not even going to play in the spring of this year. So you're going to have a lot of guys, a lot of teams and programs that are not going to be able to sign a lot of guys and sign a lot of big guys. So you got to factor those things in. So Southern, again, to this point, three guys have signed, but I mean, I like the junior college quarterback transfer in Kobe Dillon, because if you listen to the HBCU football daily podcast, and we had Carlos Brown of the Carlos Brown show who covers Southern said, Ladarius Skelton is not guaranteed to be the starting quarterback for Southern. And, you know, this is a Juco kid, so Dylan could. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess he could. I mean, I guess he could ultimately play in the spring. Um, but, but again, he's had some uh, college experience on the Juco level out of high school. He was a three-star kid uh, coming out. And so we'll see how that rolls. Another uh, a key guy to look at is wide receiver Devin Ellison. Again, you look at Southern. Southern's the defending uh, SWAT Western Division champs. At number nine, I had Morgan State. I thought Morgan State actually did a good job with the class last year. Had a three-star quarterback um, out of uh, uh, they had a three-star quarterback and running back. I think both were out of Michigan, and it sort of continued like sneaky good. I think what Ty Wheat, Tyrone Wheatley did, he stayed uh, closer to home. I mean, I think of the seventeen guys, like. Uh, eight of them, something like that, were from the Baltimore area. Then you had two Washington kids, one from D.C., the other from Capitol Heights. So he stayed, and and and, and actually three because you had uh, a kid, uh, Eric McEwen, uh, that's from Ashburn, Virginia. He's a uh, he's an offensive lineman. Uh, one of the offensive linemen they looked in the trenches, and one of the kids they got was Chance Moore's a two-star kid um, out of River Rouge or River Rogue, Michigan, had an offer from Bowling Green. But the other guy that I really like that I think is going to be sneaky good um, is is a young man by the name of Josh Graham. Um, you know, he's a kid out of Norcross, Georgia. In the Atlanta area played his ball at Norcross. This is a kid that's an athlete. He can maybe play a number of different positions. Um, you know, he had 11 offers, including from some FBS schools, but he chose Morgan State over all of them. So I had the Bears at number nine. Number eight, Prairie View AM. Uh really got into the trenches with three offensive linemen, also signed a quarterback and a couple of wide receivers. One of the offensive linemen is Luis Chavaria. He's a kid out of Episcopal High School in Houston. Three-star kid, had offers from the likes of Houston and 
SMU, Syracuse, UNLV, and Vanderbilt. And that's one of the things that Eric Dooley wants to do. Again, listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You'll hear him talk about it. He mentioned that um, as well. Then also a quarterback, signed a three-star quarterback, which was big in Jordan Moore. He's from Lufkin High School and became the program's all-time leading passer. So that's another big-time um, signing in. And by the way, I mentioned offensive linemen, three. Signed two other offensive linemen, Angel Lopez from Bandy, uh, Brandy's in San Antonio. Was a first-team all-district kid. Uh, and and then, they, of course, they got Morgan State transfer, Allen uh, Jones, who has some college football experience. So I had Prairie View A&M at number eight. And number seven, I had Alabama A&M. Again, uh, an extremely small class, but a couple of big-time signings. You look, and again, listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on our website at BoxToRow.com. Also, you can listen on Apple Podcasts as well as iHeartMedia.com. Big-time signing in quarterback C.J. Dixon. Now, you already got a big-time quarterback in a quill glass, so you figure that maybe uh, this this Dixon kid, he was at one time an ESPN four-star kid, played at Grayson High School in Loganville, Georgia. Uh, this year, in, in 19, he was a four-star kid. This year, 20, 2020, uh, again, shortened season, a three-star kid. Pro quarterback, great size, 6'6", 220 pounds, those kind of quarterbacks, pro style that, Connell Maynor likes had offers from Alabama, Illinois, Arkansas, Baylor, Florida, Maryland, Ohio State, Georgia, and others signed with Alabama a and I think that's in part because of a quill. It's because of Connell Maynor. He's a great quarterback. Remember, Connell Maynor was a great quarterback in college at both Winston-Salem State and A&T. And then remember, won four uh, championships as a quarterback in the um, Arena League. We, we got to remember that as well. He's coached some great quarterbacks. And Aquil Glass is a top 20 National Football League prospect. So I'm sure C.J. Dixon's uh, ears perked up and ultimately committed to Alabama A&M. Uh, another quarterback he signed in Caden McMullen. He's from Living Word Christian High School in O'Fallon, Missouri. He's a three-star quarterback. Passed for close to 7,000 yards, 73 touchdowns, rushed for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in three years. Had offers from Boise State and Missouri. That's going to be interesting because now you got two really good quarterbacks. If you're Connell Maynard, right, looking to the future, who's going to ultimately take the reins for the 2022 season? We'll see ultimately how it plays out. And number six, I had... Bethune-Cookman. Now, Bethune-Cookman signed 20 guys for this year, or 20 student athletes for this year's class, which is a big class. You got to think about it. This is a year of COVID. Uh, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, I believe, you know, they have a lot of the guys that they've convinced, okay, big-time players, we need you to stay right now. You're gonna, you've are gonna, you missed 20. You're going to miss spring of 21. We'll get back rocking and rolling uh, in the swag in the fall of 2021. So you got to convince a lot of your big time players to do that. But with that being said, there's going to ultimately be some guys that are going to say, listen, I can't miss 2020 football season because of COVID. I can't miss an opportunity to play in the spring also. So you're going to have some guys that ultimately leave the program. Maybe some of their bigger guys, big name guys from that 2019 season that still have eligibility left ultimately are going to stay. But I think this is going to be a different Bethune-Cookman team. They got to get ready for the SWAC. Now, to me, 
If I looked at this MEAC 2019 to before, MEAC top to bottom better than the SWAC. 2021 comes around, <laughs> you lose Florida A&M Bethune and A&T and Bethune and Florida A&M, who Florida A&M, if, you, if you're coming into this season, not right now, but I would have said coming into the 2020 season, Florida A&M would have been in your number one team. Bethune and Florida A&M going to the SWAC. I think you got to say that the balance of power is going to belong. I mean, we'll see, right? But I mean, preseason, right? You, you, you would think at least, and with all the other teams already in the SWAC, you would, I, I would venture to say that uh, the SWAC was better from top to bottom coming into that 2021 season. Anyway, with Bethune, 11 of their players, of the 20 players, are from the state of Florida. One of the guys they went out and got, I, I, again, Division One transfer, uh, is going to help the program right away. I Man, I don't give, I don't give the credence as much because it's a Division One transfer opposed to helping right away. Is this quarterback Patrick Shannon? If you remember that name, played at Arkansas Pine Bluff in 2019, where he had some success through for over 2,000 yards. They another transfer, uh, Cleotis, uh, England. It's a transfer from Ohio. Again, you're talking about guys that are going to come in and help right away. Then you look at some of the uh, uh, JUCO guys, a linebacker, uh, Kashawn Blackman's a transfer from Mississippi Delta Community College, played in two, uh, in 2019. He had 33 tackles, 10 and a half for loss. Again, has some college football experience. Another JUCO kid, defensive tackle, Reginald Pearson, 6'1", 325, big kid, College experience, a three-star JUCO kid uh, who played at Georgia Military Academy. Another JUCO transfer, linebacker Devin Ruffin Jr. from Iowa Western JUCO was a former three-star kid at Lutheran High School uh, in St. Louis. So you get some of those guys that are JUCO transfers, that are FBS, FCS transfers that can come in and help you right away. Then you get a high school kid, Cameron Bells from Rickards, in the Tallahassee, Florida, had an, a defensive back, had an offer from Southern Miss and South Alabama. You look at a cornerback in Malik Frank, also of Rickards, a three-star kid, had several FBS offers. And you look at another corner from uh, Sandalwood in Jacksonville, Florida, three-star recruit in Robert Simmons, who had 18 FBS offers from the likes of Arkansas, NC State, Tennessee, Oregon, Liberty, chose ultimately... Bethune Cookman. I'm going to give you my top five after we talk with Jackson State head men's basketball coach Wayne Brent. And that's up next. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and on Facebook at From the Press Box to Press Row. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out all of the latest from Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State. The Tigers have won four straight games and on Saturday going to take on Alcorn State as Wayne Brent, again, the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. It's been a while, Coach Brent. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's good to have you. I, I want to get your thoughts on the season, sort of an up and down season from the perspective of you even 
being able to play games. You've only played nine games to this point, but want to get your thoughts on the season as you're currently on a four-game winning streak. You know, I, I, you know with, with the COVID and everything going on, it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, I know we've had several games that have been canceled. You know, we, we've been getting ready to get ready for an opponent, and then all of a sudden you have to pause and you have to take a 10-day uh, pause, and then the next time you get ready to play, you're playing a totally different opponent. Uh, so it's been tough. And you can, you can tell them the kids' demeanor uh, when because they, they want to play. And once they figure out they're not going to play, uh, then you can you can see the body language. The kids look 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 like they're down, uh, especially when you got guys who know that uh, maybe with the contact tracing, uh, they they know that they don't have COVID, but because of the contact tracing, they've been in the room with a kid, or they've been on the bus or playing with a kid or something like that, and then they got to sit out sit out some games. Yeah, I mean, expand on that a little bit in terms of the frustration because you start the season off. I mean, your first what, four games or so, three or four games were postponed. You get on a, a little bit of a roll playing some games, and then you go from uh, de- from defeating uh, Alabama State on January 4th, more games postponed, and then not playing another game for 19 days until January 23rd. How frustrating has that been? Oh, you know, and, that, and that's, that's the tough part of it because we went through a period from August, to maybe October, where we didn't have anybody test positive. So it was almost like the kids were thinking it was a joke, like, okay, we can't get it. And then right before the first game, we were getting ready to go to the Ole Miss tournament, maybe two or three days before the Ole Miss tournament. Then we got three or four guys that came up positive. And then from that point, it was every two or three weeks we were having somebody to come up positive and and then that you know that that was the, the the frustrating part about it. Just you 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 own for ten days, you're off for ten days, you're getting ready to play. Um, we like like our all porn game. We were actually getting we were in shoot around, and we we tested. We had one kid that didn't test on Friday because he had, he had his grandmama died, and then so they waited to Saturday morning to test him, and then he came and tested and tested positive. Well, what happened is he's in an apartment with three other kids, so now you got four kids out, out of a game because now you, you're doing your, 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 your contact tracing. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely rough. Okay, so let me take you back. January 4th, you get the victory over Alabama State 60-44. to 44. As I mentioned, you don't play a game until January 23rd in a victory over a solid Grambling team, 75-61. to 61. Were you... I mean, were you surprised maybe with how well uh, you all played considering you hadn't played in 19 days and to beat a solid team like that by 14 points? The surprising part was <laughs> we got into the game and Gremlin jumped out 8 or 9 to 0. And in my mind as a coach, I started thinking back, okay, here we go. We haven't practiced in 10 days. We have lost our rhythm. And then all of a sudden, maybe right before the half, we started playing pretty good, and then we played a pretty good second half. But that was the scary part about it, you know, get it going into the game. They jump out eight zero nine zero, and you just in your mind, you just think, ain't no way you're gonna make it through through no game. You've been out too long. But uh, you know, to our guys' credit, they 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 put it behind them, and and and, and they 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 played a solid uh, 
you know, last probably 30, maybe 28, 29 minutes. Wayne Brent is the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. So you you have a tough stretch to start the season at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss, at La Tech, at Bradley, and at Iowa State. And that's tough. How do you feel like your, your guys played? Uh, even though you didn't win a game, how do you feel like your guys played during that stretch? I, I thought I thought we got better, you know, starting the first game. I, I thought we were playing really, really well going into the Ole Miss game, and then we had to pause for the 10 days, and that kind of set us back. So we go into uh, – we're assuming we're going into the Mississippi State game. So we played decent, I guess, against Mississippi State. Then we come back about two days later, and we play at Ole Miss, and we don't play well at all. Then we leave there and go to lose out a tick, and we probably had the worst game that we played the whole season. But somewhere in between the lose out a tick loss and going to Iowa State, the Iowa State Bradley trip, that's when I knew we had a chance to be a pretty good basketball team because that's that's when we everything started to click on the Iowa State Bradley trip. And then the hundred and six points against Mississippi. Valley State, I mean, you blow Valley out, they score 56 points. Talk about that and, you know, perhaps maybe your most complete game of the season. No, I think the Valley game was just a big motivating factor for us because it was a, a rival game. You're talking about a team that's an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes apart. Uh, most of our guys know their guys. And, it, you know, our guys just got up for the rivalry. And, uh, to be able to have everybody on the team play, I, I think maybe uh, if 15 guys dressed out, maybe 14 scored in the game, and to be able to score 106 points and hold them to 56 was a good offensive and defensive effort all around effort. So we, I felt like that as a coach, from a coaching standpoint, I felt like we played one of our, our better games that night. Again, Wayne Brent is the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, joins us here. On the program, Tristan Jarrett's a box to roll All American, twenty point three points per game. He's one of the leading scorers uh, in the country. Talk about how well he's playing for you so far this season. Well, Tristan has re- really played well. You know, he he was up and down in the guarantee games. He, you know, he get twenty, and uh, he, he pretty much got twenty every night. But it was it was uh, his shooting percentage uh, in the guarantee game. You know, he he, he may have shot. A good percentage against Mississippi State, then against Ole Miss, he didn't shoot a good percentage, but he was still getting his 18, 19 points. I think once we hit conference games, he's been shooting at a, at a pretty good percentage and taking better shots, and he's been more consistent. He he hadn't had a bad game in conference. In the four games, he has really played well and has really shot the ball to swing the well in the four conference games. How are you pleased with the way your defense is playing? You're holding opponents to just 34% shooting from the field? You know what, I, I think right now we, we, we there's always room for improvement. Uh, I think after four games in, in the conference and then that we played uh, one game and then it was maybe 10 days later we played another one, then it was 14 days later we played another one. I think defensively we're, we're fine. When we can score points like we scored the 106 and the 75 at, at Gremlin, we think we got a pretty good chance to win because most most nights, you know, we, we, we go into the game with a goal. And, you know, it depends on what the team is averaging. Like, we came into the Valley game, the goal was 55 points, even though they got 60. Uh, and then the Pine Bluff game, 
The goal was 60 points, and I think we held them to 55. So we wanted to air a game with a number in mind that we try to hold the other team, team to. Yeah, no question. Have you – has your team – obviously, Deion Sanders is the head football coach there now. Have you, you know, felt any residuals uh, from that in terms of maybe um, uh, players uh, contacting you a little bit more, inquiring about Jackson State? You know what? It's a little bit easier when you when you call somebody. They give you a little different conversation. <laughs> uh, the first thing when you get on when you get on the phone, they're gonna ask about Dion and the football team, and it's really opened some eyes. I helped us with recruiting just from the standpoint some kids that normally it was a little bit tougher to get on the phone. You can kind of get them on the phone, and I think it's really good with the parent because the, most parents. Uh, came up in that era where Dion played, you know, with, with San Francisco or with the Cowboys or with the Atlanta Falcons. So most parents can identify with him, even though some of the kids still can identify with him. Yeah, but you know, it's been a couple of a couple of pretty good. I mean, I you're right. I mean, in terms of the parents, you're right. I mean, but back in the day, no, but a, pr- a couple of pretty good players that came through came through Jackson State that some of the parents are going to remember, right? Yeah, you, you you got you know you got quite a few Hall of Fame guys, uh, you know Walter Payton and and uh, you got, got quite a few guys that have gone to Jackson State. And then back in the day, it was a little bit different where uh, you know certain guys were not allowed to go to the Power Five or the White schools, and they kind of had to go to the Jackson State, the Gremlins. So we've had our share of Hall of Fame guys that 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 have played football and have really had a, a rich tradition at Jackson State on the football side. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, about Javius McKinnis, who's a young man for you. Uh, he's averaging a, a, a double-double so far, 13.4 points and 12.6 uh, rebounds per game. Talk about his play. You know, Jay is a kid that came to us at about 6'4", uh, and he set out and he grew three inches, so now he's a part of about 6'7". But he's a relentless rebounder and a, a super athletic kid with a great attitude. Uh, you know, going into the game, you can basically put those 13, 14 rebounds in the book. Uh, he's going to get them two or three block shots, and he's going to change another two or three every game. But the thing that where he has improved, he's shooting about maybe about 70%, 75% from the free throw line, where in the past he shot 49 to 50%. So that has boosted average, I guess, uh, another three or four points. And then he's added some range. Um, normally last year he was basically a dunker uh, under the goal, uh, two feet and in. Now he's shooting a little short corner shot. He's shooting a little elbow shot. So he's added something to his game every, every year because he's a kid that works on it. Another rivalry game on tomorrow. You're on the road taking on uh, Alcorn State. First of all, is that? Because I know it was postponed from Thursday uh, or from yesterday in this case. So will you are you, will you ultimately play that game at least as we stand uh, right now? And w- what are your thoughts on all Corn State again, another rival? You know, I'm not sure we'll uh, uh, reschedule that game. It's been postponed three different times. So for some reason, we just can't can't get that game off. But the game for Saturday is still a game. We still have to go to them on Saturday. Uh, that's a big rival game, and you're talking about uh, uh, a bigger game than, than Valley uh, just because the kids on all quarantine. 
we know them a little bit better than the kids on, on Valley team. And, uh, and then Alcorn was at the top of the league. They were three and one. And then they played Southern at home, but two of their main guys didn't play. So what we tried to do, we tried to stress to our guys that, that you can't look at that Southern game and Southern score because you had the point guard and you had the two guard that, that didn't play for whatever reason. I don't know if it was COVID or, or if they were injured, but they're a totally different team without those two guys. But they've been off uh, maybe nine or ten days come Saturday, so I would expect those two guys to be back in the starting lineup. Wayne Brent, again, in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The Tigers have won four straight, four and one in conference, play a big game on Saturday in Lorman, Mississippi, taking on Alcorn State. Coach Brent, great to catch up with you again. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Okay, appreciate you having me. You got it, Coach Brent. Wayne Brent, the head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, joining us here on the program. Up next, we go back to the HBCU football recruiting rankings, and I give you my top five. Boxtero.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. Boxtero.com. ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. Let's get back to talking some HBCU football recruiting here on Box to Row. Of course, had a chance to look at the, or looking right now at the top 10 HBCU recruiting classes. We already looked at 10 through 6, and 5 through 1 were a little bit less difficult to pick. As I mentioned, I think because of COVID this year, you didn't have a lot of big signing classes. So you didn't have a lot of the huge, you know, you, you generally like Florida A&M last year had what, like six or seven three-star kids. They had a great transfer quarterback that came from Kansas State. So you didn't have as much of that this year, but you still had some classes that had, you know, 17 or 20 kids. And you'll see here that a, a couple of those classes that had bigger classes were the ones that were ranked in the top five because they had a lot of a lot of kids that had stars by their names. And again, it's not like it's not all about the stars, but that's a lot of it is. And again, less credence given to transfers opposed to high school players and then JUCO transfers as well. I mean, you can go through the the portal right? The NCAA portal, get guys and boost your recruiting class. I don't look at it. I don't, I don't do it that way. Um, and I think even less credence is given to guys that have the stars by their name high school wise. If they've played a couple of years of particularly major college football, or even on the division one level, whether it's FBS or FCS has seen some significant playing time, then you're already a collegian. So that what you did in high school really means a lot less. So at number five, I had Tennessee State had a had a good class. Uh, Tennessee State signed. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe like maybe like uh, close to 20 players, something like that. But um, had another solid class. Tennessee State finished last year at number two. 
um, a couple of their prized possessions. You look at a wide receiver like a Roscoe Gibson's, a three-star kid, played his high school ball at Edison in Miami. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see if if he's able to have more of an immediate impact because you got a, got a guy like a, a, you know, you got to replace Chris Rowland, who was all-world last year. And, but you have some guys, again, that have already played college football so they're more familiar with obviously college and what Rod Reed and his coaching staff is looking for so if not this year I mean Roscoe Gibson is a guy that has uh, is going to have some opportunity to get some burn definitely in the future he had offers from uh, programs like Coastal and Syracuse you look at uh, the Tigers signing in another quarterback. And if you've listened to our HBCU football daily podcast, Rod Reed mentioned he's got like a couple of quarterbacks right now vying uh, for that starting spot. Um, you look at, at quarterback uh, Tucker Pope out of Walker Valley High School in Tennessee was ranked the 34th best quarterback in Tennessee. So that should make, you know, going into the 21 season at least uh, make the quarterback competition uh, a little bit better. You, you, you talk about offensive lines. Tennessee State uh, has one of the better offensive line coaches and produces National Football League offensive linemen, not only in HBCUs, but really uh, specifically FCS and then college football as a whole. They go out and get a transfer from Vanderbilt, Sean McMoore, who played in 18 games at Vanderbilt over three years. So you can see that experience and that should be a guy uh, that can come in and help Tennessee State right away. I mentioned one quarterback. Um, they got a transfer quarterback in, uh, from Marshall in Isaiah Green. He's a two-year starter. So, again, you know, that quarterback room is full, and this is a guy they probably are looking for to come in and help right away. Again, four uh, two years at Marshall, 13 games last year, completed 54% of his passes uh, in excess, almost 2,500 yards, 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, had 300 yards rushing and five touchdowns as well. Rod Reed got on the defensive end. Brennan Scott's a JUCO transfer from uh, Kofisville Community College. Again, had some college football experience. Maybe someone that can compliment Nick Harper Jr., who's a box-to-row uh, preseason All-American, a defensive tackle in Sincere Littles from Riverview High School in uh, Riverview, Sarasota. High school two-star guy had some offers, Army, Coastal Carolina, Kansas, Louisville, Naval, and USF. So, I mean, he's got some guys, again, an offensive lineman, another one, uh, Gerard Russell from Riverdale High School in Murfreesboro. So he stayed home a little bit and did a good job. And number four, I had Grambling. And I think Grambling did a really good job. Like Grambling, I mentioned what, Tennessee State, maybe 20. Matter of fact, Tennessee State, they signed one more guy. They had signed 19 in the mid-year in December and then signed the one more guy uh, on on uh, on Wednesday on signing day. Grambling didn't have a lot of guys, but they made the most of the guys that they signed, okay? Um, how about on, on defense, a kid Jaden Hardy, he's from Islands High School in Savannah, three-star recruit, had offers from Baylor, Boston College, Auburn, Tennessee, and many others. I, I, I really was impressed with the quarterback. So Hickbottom's going to be the guy, right? If you, again, if you listen to the HBCU football daily podcast, uh, Broderick Fobbs talked about Hickbottom, you know, and his experience. But you got a guy coming in 
Noah Biden. He's a three-star kid out of Christ the King in New York City. Had offers from Arizona State in Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Oregon, Tennessee, uh, Virginia Tech, and could take the reins moving forward in the future. You talk about shoring up that offensive line, a kid, Rod Greens, the three-star recruit from Springfield High School in Ohio. You look at another offensive lineman, a transfer from Monroe Community College in Colin Gordon Green. Again, has already had some football playing experience, right? Then you look at the defense and they get a guy, a defensive back, who I think is a big signing in three-star recruit uh, from uh, Klein Collins High School in Spring, Texas. Donald Lee III had 14 offers and chose Grambling over Houston SMU and Washington State, to name a few. At number so three and two were tough. Three, I had Florida A and M. Um, you, you look at Willie Simmons; he signs uh, 20 guys. I mean, he's got a bunch of three-star kids. Remember, we had them number one last year. He's got a tight end, Kareem Grant from St. Petersburg. He's a three-star kid. Had some offers from some of the, you know, like uh, Mac schools, uh, Kent State, Marshall, Bowling Green, even FIU. You know, he's got a cornerback in Winsome Fraser, who I'm very excited about, a three-star kid from Miami of Northwestern. 11 offers chose Florida A&M over Maryland, Illinois, Iowa State, Nebraska, Pitt, and UCF. You know, he gets a transfer kid in defensive end in uh, Stephon Atkinson. He transferred in from Western Kentucky. He only played in one in one game, but again, maybe has that that some of that experience on the FBS level was a three-star recruit in 2019 when he was in high school. Uh, defensive back in Kendall Bowler is a transfer from Mercer. Redshirt, it was a former two-star recruit. He's got some guys. He shored up that offensive line. He went out and also got some transfer guys. Jordan White, uh, Jay Williams, who played at Florida State. Um, you know, he's got a couple of other three-star kids. So, really, you know, and they're not playing football in the spring. Going into 2021, it's going to have high-octane offense, a plethora of receivers, a big-time quarterback, and now shoring up that offensive line. He signed like four or five offensive linemen in this class. North Carolina A&T at number one. They had six three-star recruits and a two-star kid and a few uh, key transfers, 17 recruits uh, in all. You look at a guy like a Terrell Spicer from Northside High in Jacksonville, three-star kid, great size to play corner at 6'3". Um, you look at a linebacker, Sam Ophiri. He's from IMG Academy in Salem, uh, where he's, he played at. Uh, he's he's from Salem, Massachusetts. A three-star kid had offers from Michigan and Syracuse. You know, they want to shore up that offensive line, which is going to be solid. Look into the future because you generally freshmen don't come in and play at A&T. Jonathan Cameron. He's from Vance in Charlotte, three-star kid, had a couple of offers. One of the guys I like, and anytime you can sign a three-star running back, you're doing something really good, Charlie Dixon from Callaway High School, three-star kid, had 10 offers, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Cincinnati, Louisville, to name a few. Now, this is a guy who goes 6'2", 230, great size as a running back. They have him listed as a running back, but he's also a guy that can play linebacker. By the way, help Lee Callaway to the state championship. That's just a couple of guys that they have, a couple of more three-star kids, but I'm running out of time. Number one in the class, you got to give it to Jackson State, but I'm going to tell you what, there's not a lot to me in this recruiting class, the way that 
we do, or the way that I like to rank these recruiting classes between a Jackson State and an A&T in Florida A&M. Jackson State had a lot of transfers. And again, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, you know, I'm looking for those high school kids, those JUCO kids. And by the way, what really elevated Jackson State's class, anytime you can have a four-star quarterback, you're doing something really, really big. And um, not only did they get a four-star quarterback in Deion Sanders' son, uh, who's coming to play uh, for his father, Shador, a number 12-ranked quarterback in the country, number eight in Texas, had over 12,000 yards, almost 12,500 yards passing uh, in his career. But they also signed the number one JUCO kid, a four-star JUCO kid, uh, DeJon Warren, number one JUCO player in the country, turned down Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn to come to Jackson State. They had a a bunch of three-star kids, high school kids that came in. But I must say this, one of the things that was out there was that Jackson State was the first HBCU to sign a four-star player right out of high school. That's not true. Tennessee State signed Travis Ward, the running back who ended up getting a try, I think, in the league. He ultimately paid, got he got shot and killed, as a matter of fact. I think it was in October. But Travis Ward was a four-star kid uh, coming out of Dillard in Florida that was a four-star kid signed right away with Tennessee State and had a good career. So I want to put that out there that that's not true. The first four-star kid, at least I've been doing this 14 years, maybe before 2005, there may have been another four-star kid. The four-star kid I remember, Travis Ward coming out of Tennessee State. Your thoughts, you can see the entire list. Well, we'll have the entire list of the HBCU uh, top 10 recruiting class next week uh, on our website at boxtorow.com. I've got to run. Thank you to Wayne Brent, head men's basketball coach at Jackson State, for joining us on the program. I've got Kansas City in the Super Bowl by six points or less. I think Tampa has more talent, particularly offensively. But what Kansas City has is a special player in Patrick Mahomes, and I think Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.